A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. A mid-morning dance with the devil from the farmer of fury. Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. World peace has suffered a shattering blow. It was supposed to be a day of celebration, the 70th anniversary of the founding of Israel. Instead, the world is left counting the bodies of the dead and weighing up the consequences of the worst day of violence in the region since 2014. Today, there are recriminations aplenty. There are those who blame Donald Trump for opening a new US embassy in Jerusalem on the same day. There are those who blame Hamas for exploiting an opportunity uh, and to make trouble where there wasn't any need to do so. But let's get one thing clear. Whatever the provocation, whatever the security fears, there was no reason why Israeli forces needed to fire live ammunition at the Palestinians, was there? The big question is, where do we go now with the peace process? Everybody's watching today. Everybody can't believe what happened yesterday. And everybody sees that we have taken a massive step back uh, over the Gaza Strip, over the one-state solution, the two-state solution. What is going on? 0344 499 It's a difficult uh, situation to have an opinion on, but we want to hear from you, please. Coming up a little bit later on in the show, we're talking mental health and the problems a lack of sleep can cause for those people suffering from anxiety. We've also got sea slugs with transplanted memories and we'll be asking what is happening to the Meghan Sparkle. The royal wedding seems to have been plunged uh, into disarray. 0344 499 1000. You're listening to me, Mike Graham and Daisy McAndrew right here on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. 03444991000 is the number. As I've said, I don't particularly want to entertain uh, people who are extremely on one side or the other here because clearly there is a massive problem uh, between Israel and Palestine which is not going to be solved uh, by a three-minute phone-in uh, on the talk radio. That is not the point I want you to call about. What I do want you to call about, however, uh, is just what on earth do we do now? Because the peace process appears to have been blown up. Uh, we spoke to Andy Lyons from the Daily Mirror who's out there in Jerusalem who said, very quiet today, it seems as though there was always going to be trouble yesterday but the flashpoint was surely never anticipated to be quite as bad uh, as it did become. Let's talk to Daniel Sugarman now from the Jewish Chronicle. Uh, he's written a very personal piece today uh, in the paper. Daniel, a very good morning to you. Welcome. Good morning. Thanks very much indeed for joining us. I mean, there was always going to be um, a problem on the 70th anniversary uh, of Israel's uh, celebrate, uh, celebrated sort of existence, but but nobody really expected it to get out of hand like this. And, and the one sort of uh, one thing that everyone seems to be agree- agreeing on is that there should never have been live ammunition used. Yes, I, I agree with that. I mean, the, the first thing I think to say is that th- these protests are not new. These protests have been going on for weeks now. Yeah. Um, there, there's, been, there's been what's been billed as a, a great march of return and um, a 
thousands of people from within Gaza have been uh, going to the border of Gaza and Israel and uh, trying to get through. Um, but yesterday, and, and there has been violence over the last uh, few weeks, but yesterday was on a level that had not been seen so far. I think today will be worse. Today is the is is Nakba Day. Um, it's the actual day on which um, the Palestinians mourn um, what happened 70 years ago. And um, I think that Hamas has promised that today is going to be worse, and I think that, unfortunately, it will be worse. And what are they hoping to achieve by, by running at the fence, as it were? I mean, what do they wish to do? It's... Well, it, it depends. It depends who you listen to. The, the, the prime minister of Hamas, who is a man called Yahya Sinwar, um, has described the stated aim of the attempts to breach the border as follows: We will take down the border and we will tear out their hearts from their bodies. Now, the the protest was not originally meant to be that. The protest there, when when 70 years ago, when the state of Israel was was declared and and war immediately broke out because uh, neighboring Arab countries attacked the fledgling state, um, hundreds of thousands of Palestinians were dispossessed from their homes. Some some left because they feared what was going to happen in terms of the, the war that had broken out. Others were, were forced to leave. And there are, and many of them went to Gaza. And so there are descendants of these people living in Gaza who, uh, you know, are Want, want to go back to the, uh, the ancestral homes that they once possessed. And the plan was for uh, a nonviolent protest whereby people, thousands of people, would, would walk to the border and, and try peacefully to cross. Unfortunately, as soon as Hamas got involved, the, that, that was no longer going to be a nonviolent protest. And, and the, the claims by some, including the Shadow Foreign Secretary, Emily Thornberry, um, saying that these protests are nonviolent, are, are peaceful, is, is a complete fantasy. Um, Daniel, can I ask you, you, you wrote this very powerful piece um, in the JC today, and I was very moved by it. And, and you particularly told the story um, of teenage friends of yours, Gal and Ran. Um, and and what happened to them and how that would inevitably influence one's outlook. And I just wonder if, if you wouldn't mind telling our listeners that story. Of course. Um, I grew up in north-west London in the Jewish community. Um, as, as I wrote in my piece today um, for the Jewish Chronicle, um, I, I was a, wasn't a particularly... Uh, I, I, enjoyed, I enjoyed my own company when I was a kid. Um, used to play a lot in my back garden. I was playing football one day and looked over the fence and saw another boy playing football in his back garden, my neighbour. We got to talking and uh, we, we struck up a friendship as, as, you know, would happen. He was an Israeli boy. His name was Gull. Um, he was nine years old. I was a bit younger. I was seven. This was, this was around 1996. And we, we used to play together, you know, on, on the weekends. It was, it was nice to have an ex-door neighbor you could play with. Um, anyway, after, and he had an older brother. He had an older brother called Run. It's an Israeli name. And, uh, you know, I used, used to see the older brother as well. Um, and then a few a few months went by, and they they moved away, and I got on with my life, and they got on with their lives. Um, except that they only got on with their lives until 2002, because they were sitting in a restaurant in Haifa with their father. 2002 was the uh, was in the middle of the second intifada, and um, a Hamas uh, terrorist walked into uh, the restaurant and 
um, blew himself up and killed Gull, killed Ron, killed um, their father, killed uh, 13 other people, wounded 40 more. I... I know what Hamas. I know what Hamas is. I know what Hamas stands for. I, I, I really, really have a huge problem with with Hamas. But at the, and and I know that Hamas is is responsible for trying to drive people towards the border. But at the same time, the Israeli, the Israeli military, Israel, Israel is a land of technological marvels. I you, you cannot believe some of the the impressive inventions that they come up with in the field of medicine, in the field of, of computing. And it just seems impossible to me that, that a country that is capable of such technological miracles would not be capable of coming up with a way of incapacitating protesters that does not include gunning dozens of them down. But in front of the entire world, Dozens of protesters have been gunned down yesterday, and it looks as if more will be gunned down today. And you can you can say that Hamas wants these deaths, wants to create martyrs, wants to fill the hearts of the people of Gaza with rage against Israel, because if they're not angry at Israel, chances are they're going to look around and, and blame the situation in Gaza on Hamas. But, but even if you're saying all that, what, you know, you have to ask yourself. If that's the case, why is Israel so willingly giving Hamas exactly what it wishes? Why, why is Israel acting in such a fashion? I'm under no illusions. I've, I've, I've lived through this conflict my entire life. I've lived in Israel as well. And I have no illusions about the threats that Israel faces. But I, I cannot and I will not condone the, the shooting that has been going on. I just cannot do it. No, I think you're absolutely right, Daniel. Thank you very much indeed, and and uh, a tremendous piece that Daniel's written in the Jewish Chronicle. If you get a chance to read it, please do. Daniel Sugarman there uh, giving us his own personal view, and I think the view of an awful lot of people in the world, not just Jewish people and, and, and Palestinian people and everybody else, but it's, a, it's an awful, shocking, ghastly situation. But the trouble is, as long as the two sides keep acting like they do, there's never going to be an end to it. But I think what's so fascinating about um, Daniel's point of view is he has every reason to support mm-hmm. the Israeli army yeah. because he has personally lost you know these these uh, children that um, he got to know as a child you know he's he, he's experienced what you know Israelis day day in day out experience mm. of you know these these Hamas um, suicide attacks and all the rest of it and yet he still doesn't condone yeah. what happened yesterday which I think makes his point of view so very powerful yeah well let's hope there's plenty of that uh, going on in Israel today and let's hope that he's wrong uh, about the one thing he did predict which would be much much more violence and much worse violence later on today. This is the Independent Republic of Microm. You know what to do. 03444991000. Coming up uh, in the next hour, we are going to be talking to Robert Johnson, the Royal Correspondent, uh, about the royal fiasco, uh, what Harry has done and what he should have done uh, to ensure that the uh, wedding to Meghan Markle did not absolutely fall apart at the edges, which is what it appears Why to be now doing. Why is controlling her family his responsibility? Because he's in charge, right? He is the prince. He is the guy who is the well, heir nice, to the throne. It's very sexist to say not he's at all. in charge. No, it's not sexist because he is a member of the royal family. Therefore, he is responsible for the royal wedding, which is taking place at a royal castle in Windsor, in this country, of which he is a prince. Therefore, it is not in any way an equal situation. She is the visiting guest. She is going to become his wife. At that point, they could have an equal marriage, but he's in charge of running the show. Simple as that. She can't wander into yeah, but Windsor. he can't control her Yeah, he father. can. Yeah, but no, he should be in now, a position to say, right, I am going to be making sure that this runs smoothly, right? If you were marrying somebody famous... They would say to you, look, whatever you do, don't go talking to 
the Daily Mail. Uh, if a paparazzi knocks on the door, don't let them take a picture yeah, of you. Don't forget, she's been dealing with the press. Not she's really. Been a she software. wasn't that well known before she met him. She was. She was pretty well known. Not and really. Certainly I'd never heard of her. Well, I had. Yeah, well, that and means you watch Suits. Uh, yes, it does. Yeah, but I um, hadn't watched Suits, no, so therefore I never heard no, of it. She's not some sort of, you know, wallflower that doesn't know how the That's game is played. That's not what I'm played. suggesting. And she, well, I certainly believe that the royal household should have done more to protect the father-in-law, who seems to have gone completely off the rails doing these Yeah, and these who's pictures. in charge of the royal household? In this instance, it's Harry. It's his wedding. He should have yeah, been instructing... He's got quite a lot else on his plate. Like, what else? What else is he doing? Well, dealing with the royal wedding. Oh, dealing with the royal wedding. Well, <laughs> do you know, when I was dealing with my wedding, I was also working at the same time, doing an actual job, which he's not doing. Is he not doing any royal duties? Well, I shouldn't think so. Oh, I bet he is. Well, like what? I bet he is. Well, he's got some next week. Three three days after the wedding, he's got some Oh, well, what's duties. he doing? What, going off and shaking hands with a few people? Yeah, going to his, exactly dad, a job, is get, it? Going to his dad's birthday party, yeah, I think. not really a job. <laughs> I think he's struggling I think, here. I think I might be on thin ice. Should we, should we go to a break? Ice. Yeah, let's move on to my sister's sleepwalking before you sleepwalk into a complete disaster. But anyway. Listen, I'm a great defender of the royal family, but in this instance, I, just think, I think he's made a massive error no. and he's allowed this to happen on his watch. It's that simple. I think he's a good egg and I think he's a good person and I think they've been terribly let down by her family and possibly by the royal household who maybe should have gone and sat well, on the Well, maybe she hasn't told them the full extent of the, of the nutcases that she has in her family and the sort of things they're likely to get up to. Well, maybe she has told them and they're trying to be mature about it and not appear to be the type of, you know, control... Because you can imagine that if... You know, if let's say stories came out where the father-in-law was saying, you know, I had all these stuffed shirts from Buckingham Palace yeah. coming and but putting me in in you know house yeah. lo- house right. lockdown, you can see how that would look very yeah, but, very no, bad. But it's obviously to Julia. You know, in the old days of Fleet Street, when we used to rule the world, you would go and do buy-ups with people, right? You would take them away because you knew that if you could find them, so could everybody else, yeah. right? So you would move them from the location yeah, where yeah, they were yeah. registered, and you would take them off to a hotel or to a safe house or fly them to a different part of the world. Yeah. There's any number of things they could have done to make sure this didn't happen to ensure, you know, what's the main aim here? To get her to walk down the aisle with her father. That's what she wants. So bring the uh, father to her. But is it what she wants? I suspect that she's probably been thinking all the way through, really? I wish I could do it without him, but it would look so bad yeah. and people would think badly of yeah. me that I was excluding him, that I'll have to put up with him and his crazy ways. Are you ways. suggesting that she has cunningly put the paparazzi no. up to pro- offer no, no, him no, some money, all. No, knowing no, no. that he would accept it? No, not at all. Though. It would be a good script, that would be a good for a, script. script for a movie. No, I'm not yeah. at all. I'm just saying that maybe she never really wanted him but felt that you know it would be too off the Maybe. wall to exclude him and now you know he's sort of excluded himself yeah exactly right well we'll come on to more of that coming up uh, in the next hour we'll take your views on it as well 0344 499 1000 I think this has now made it a must see event it was always it's a, a must see no. event no 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 it was going to be um, I was going to be in transit I no in fact I've got to do a radio show from Wembley on Saturday afternoon what time is the wedding it's, midday it's I midday think. isn't it yeah so I might be able to watch a bit of it on TV but I'll be at Wembley ahead of the FA Cup final. So I may, I may be able to miss it. But it's now a must-watch because something else is bound to go yeah. wrong because it's now, it's now jinxed, basically. Well, he'll, he's pro- jinxed he'll, he'll probably Harry turn up. Harry's jinxed his own wedding. Well, the father-in-law will probably turn up unexpectedly. <laughs> yeah, that might happen. So anyway, talking, talking of turning up <laughs> unexpectedly, right, this was, this was what happened. My sister, so my sister had some, I think she had some wisdom teeth out or something like that quite late in life because normally that doesn't happen. But for some reason, they were impacting on each other. So it was quite a heavy kind of surgery mm. that she underwent. And they gave her some very heavy sort of uh, pills afterwards to take care of it. But they made her walk in her sleep. And one of, the, one of the most amazing things that she did was she has an apartment in New York. And you know they have those long corridors. And not everybody always c- c- shuts yeah. their door. Yeah. Sometimes the doors are open, sometimes they're not. Anyway, she woke up one night out of her deep sleep. But it wasn't that late because she used to get up really early. It was about midnight or something. And she walks into the apartment 
of the people <laughs> two doors down who happened to have their door open. There was a couple living there. And she walked in and very kind of casually started talking to the guy <laughs> and kind of walking around as if she knew she was in her own place. And the woman, of course, was like, who the hell is this? And yeah. why is she talking to you? Why is she getting into my bed? And the bed? guy's going, I don't know. I've never seen her before. She's like, yeah, you have. I lived next door. You know, I was here the other night. She started talking absolute gibberish. They broke up as a result. Oh, no. Yeah, because well, she never quite, believed the story. That's quite dramatic. I know, because she thought, well, this woman looks very familiar in here. She looks like she knows where everything is because she was like, opening cupboards yeah. and taking things out and making... Far too... But presumably, yeah. maybe the apartments were quite similar if they were... Maybe so. Sorry. Well, you know what women are like. I mean, she wasn't buying any of that. She oh, was that's like, very funny. She said, so, so my sister told me about four weeks later... She heard they, oh, well for about the next two weeks. She just heard them rowing all the time. How embarrassing! And then suddenly the woman disappeared and left. <laughs> well, I was Isn't always hilarious because my kids have both done sort of sleepwalking. I mean, it, you know, once or twice it's never been yeah. a, sort of, you know, one of these really awful repetitive things. But I was told not you know, to try not to wake them up. That yeah. it can be such a shock to the system right. they get freaked out. That if yeah, you, you don't just, shake them. If you can just sort of, you sort of guide them back, yeah, yeah, and they and they'll never know. Another time happens. she did it. We were in we were visiting friends in uh, south of France. They were having a twenty fifth wedding anniversary or something party, and we were all staying in this hotel. And we'd had a big row the night before with the hotel manager because he refused to open the bar. And <laughs> so I got into this slanging match with him at one o'clock in the morning, which did involve you know. Agincourt and all of that. It was, you know, <laughs> this guy was going, you English, all you want to do is drink, you know. And I was like, of course, that's what we're paying you for. Open the bloody yeah, bar up. That's what we're famous for. Yeah, exactly. And in the end, he just left us to it and didn't care. Anyway, in yeah. the morning, she, who had been part of the row, but was trying to kind of calm me down, walked downstairs, apparently, into the breakfast room in her pyjamas, asleep. Fortunately, and I said, we're lucky. But, but didn't trip. No, came all the way down the stairs, which were quite a long flight of stairs. Well, it's into... lucky she wasn't a nude sleeper. Well, I said that to her. I said, it's lucky you were wearing pyjamas. Yeah. Well, if you hadn't been, you know, imagine that. And um, so, yeah, so she, for, for a period of about four months while she was taking these, uh, these painkillers, that was what she did all the time. God, poor thing. But I mean, it's really dangerous. Them. Yeah, I mean, luckily nothing bad happened, but yeah. then she stopped taking the, the painkillers and then she stopped sleepwalking. In fact, that was one of the things our doctor said, said it, often it's a side effect of medication, mm. like insomnia or, right. or sleep terror, sleepwalking, where he said it's often right. a side effect of other medications. I talk in my taking. sleep, apparently. In fact, I used is, to... it, is it as good as the talking you do here? It's much better, in fact, more sweary. <laughs> I, once, more I used to fire sorry. people in my sleep, apparently. Yeah, when I worked well, in and this newspapers. sort of Alan Sugar, you're yeah, fired. yeah, because I was much more stressed out when I worked in newspapers because it was all you were always on. All I mean, nowadays I have hardly any work. But also, to do that, at all. I I genuinely think there's nothing more stressful than firing people. I think. Oh, that, I used to quite know, enjoy it. Okay, well let's let's just move. I'm on. joking. <laughs> but I think that really I enjoyed would lead, firing some people. Lead let's to put it that sleepless way. nights. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't because of that. No. No, it was because I wasn't firing enough people during the day. I had to fire some well, of them in my sleep as you well. You weren't hitting your targets. <laughs> <laughs> now, here's a test for you. You know what that is? No. Me neither. It's Frank <laughs> Turner, apparently. Is it Frank Turner? Frank Turner, who's apparently a big new star that our oh. producer likes and went to see last night. So would my 12-year-old have heard of Frank probably, Turner? Probably, yeah, probably. Frank Turner sounds like a gardener. An it old sounds like the guy from American Gangster, doesn't it? Yeah. Who was that? Frank, somebody else, I think. <laughs> anyway, listen, apparently the Tories uh, are being told they need to behave like real people. This is the biggest challenge the Tory party have faced since Tony Blair was in power. And we're going to talk to Michael Fabricant now, uh, who is, of course, a regular guest here on Talk Radio uh, with Julia Hartley Brewer. Mr Fabricant, a very good morning to you. 
I am not a real person. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think your hair's real, but that's another story. <laughs> oh, we won't talk about no, that. No, don't you mention the hair. Person. I'm terribly sorry. <laughs> now, listen, Instagram and Tories, it doesn't really sound like a good mix, to be honest. Mm, well, I, I have sort of decided not to put, uh, put any nude pickies of me Thank on. Thank God but, for that. Uh, no, yeah, apparently we've been having a few lessons in how to use uh, Instagram, right. but I've been using it anyway. I just stick various things up there and uh, just try and sort of show that I'm a real person have you, have and you, I've got a real life was, when was, I'm not right. being an MP. OK, well, so what was your last Instagram post? My last Instagram post was me looking like Joe Cool with a pair of sunglasses <laughs> on. just looking at it now. Uh, you I, look very good. On a boat. Right, on, oh, thank you. Lake Como. On Lake Como. Looking I very suave. Went there with a couple of buddies of mine for a weekend. Well, it's not very, very man- nice. It was. Hang on, too. it's not very man of the people, like, is it? No, I, I thought that. I thought that because I thought if I put that on Twitter or Facebook, all the trolls would be going, oh, yeah. "Rich Tory, yeah. Rich Tory, spending a yeah. fortune scum. on scum, Tory yeah. scum." What about? Uh, is that? Is that? Uh, I'll I... tell you something. By the way, uh, I went go by train from Milan all the way up to Lake Como, right. which we did, and it's six euro seventy. That's a wow. fiver. Amazing. That's like further from Lichfield and to London. And there's, and, no, and, and there's no bus replacement service halfway and there's no there. Bu- well, it was, the train was late because, of course, you know, Mussolini. They always said about Mussolini, <laughs> the trains run on time right. with Mussolini. But yeah. uh, clearly Mussolini's definitely Listen, gone. I don't even know who the Prime Minister of Italy is this week. So there's yes, no point exactly. in asking me that. But well, what, I don't I think mean, they know yet because no, they, they haven't don't. got a deal. That's right. But <laughs> what about, is Instagram sort of more troll-less than, than, uh, mm, than Facebook? And, right. Is it friendlier generally? Yeah, it seems to be a lot more genuine than yeah. uh, you know than Twitter, where you have all people you know sort of there's loads of fake, you. Well, there's loads of fake accounts on Twitter, which is what gets me. I mean, half the people you end up arguing with have got some kind of avatar which is not them and a ridiculous name which is clearly not a real one. You know, and you don't yeah. even know if you're talking to a real person. That's right. Well, if they are a real person, they're usually in Saint Petersburg or Moscow. Well, exactly, you know, exactly. Being run by Putin. And so tell I think, me, you I mean, know, you, don't have to, you don't have to reveal who it was that gave you these tips for Instagram, but I mean, what sort of tips did they give you? Oh well, I mean this was uh, this was a few weeks ago now, but uh, it was a couple of very nice girls from uh, CCHQ, okay. Conservative Campaign Headquarters. And first of all, we all had to be brainwashed to be human beings. Mm. And then once we became human beings, just say, you know, put up pictures. Uh, it's all a bit complicated, Instagram, because they also have a thing called Instagram stories. Yes, I'm not keen on that, you know. No, because... I don't work. I can quite work out what it was because I was playing with it the other day. And, yeah. was, and I managed to put out a story to the entire universe yeah. with my nose and thumb. I didn't even realise <laughs> I was well, doing you, it. Yeah, you might get Michael Fabricant Day, like we've got Ed Balls Day on yeah. Twitter. When he yes. when he uh, tweeted his right. own name, but do you, how much impact do you think? My so? fear, by the way, sorry to interrupt, no, but my right. fear is doing it in bed, you know, and accidentally pressing the wrong button. Well, well you're not supposed well, to be on the phone. No, when exactly. You're exactly. <laughs> supposed to leave it in another room so you can sleep properly. Exactly. Um, but Michael, how how important do you think social media is? Because of course, one of the reasons that the Tory party um, wanted to give their MPs lessons in Instagram is because you they feel that they're losing the social media battle between the Labour Party, yeah. which is you know, sort of streets ahead as far as followers on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or all the rest of it. But I mean, don't you think it's slightly horses for courses? And you're you're not the same party, and you're not going to have the same audience. And you shouldn't almost. What's the point of playing them at their own game? You should play your own game. Mm, I tend to agree. Actually, I mean, it's quite interesting. In the last election, 2017, where 
you know, Labour won the social media war. It wasn't actually Labour what won it, mm. apparently. It was mainly sort of youngsters who had already been convinced that they wanted to vote Labour, and they were the ones who were actually doing it, not the Labour Party yeah. themselves. But that, that doesn't mean to say that we shouldn't engage with people who are on social media. I mean, I've been doing it for years um, and I've been doing Facebook and Twitter for years, and I started Instagram about a year ago because I like taking nice pickies with yeah. my iPhone. No, listen, you know. I, and I think it's actually a, a, it's a much better thing to be involved with the, the, the electorate than not to be involved with the electorate. But exactly. I'm slightly puzzled by uh, apparently one of the pieces of advice, which was to use a hashtag TBT, Throwback Thursday, uh, so that conservatives can celebrate um, a great archive content from the past and the Tory well, party. That's, yes, that's I mean, that's a massive manhole, that, isn't it? I mean, yes, I, I, pictures I think... of police beating miners, striking, and <laughs> yes, exactly. you know, poll tax I, I can see Jacob Rees-Mogg liking all that. You know, he was sort of like being throwback 19th yeah. century, please, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, here's a picture of Double my waste. grandfather discovering, you know, outer Mongolia or something like that. But I'll tell you one thing about social media, which I love. I was walking with a colleague of mine who's the MP for Tamworth, which mm. is right next door Tamworth. to... Who is yeah. that? Mm. Who is it? Chris Pincher. Okay. Good buddy where, of mine. Where the pigs were. Well, there's a bit of a Tamworth, Tamworth massive going on down here at Talk Radio, but that's another story. Yes, because I, I got into trouble. I was doing something, dare I say, on uh, Radio 2 the oh, other God, day. Oh, God, well, I'll and, you. I, and I jokingly said, but who would ever want to visit Tamworth? Yeah. I got, I got well, into big trouble over quite that. Quite right, too. I would agree with you. Absolutely. Anyways, we were walking in uh, Litchfield, and he was saying, God, it's amazing, because I kept getting, this is late at night, you know, when all the pubs are sort of turning out yeah. on Bird Street and Ball Street yes. in Litchfield, and I was getting all the youngsters running up wanting to do selfies with me. Well, you've got um, a very a distinctive look, Michael, that's why, and that's a, that's a good reason for having it. Did they think, you didn't think I were Boris Johnson, did you? They didn't think no. I was Boris Johnson. That really irritates me, by no, the way, does, when yeah. I sort of walk around in London, occasionally I'll go, Boris! Yeah. Yeah. Not as much as it irritates him when people shout, are you Michael Fabricant? <laughs> <laughs> but as I once said, I'd, I'd go round upsetting everybody because I also said that I don't look remotely like Boris, who's overweight and very sort of white-faced, you know, and flabby. <laughs> pasty and he, pasty face. Yeah. And he sort of took exception to that, though I can't think why. Well, he can only go to Lake Como when he doesn't have a ministerial job. Well, um, this is true. How, how long do you think that will be? Oh, I, 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 I. We've I. taken a serious turn. Yes, we have. No, 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 I'm no, stammering and stuttering now. <laughs> I think he'll. In, you know. I think he'll be. Yes, you're cunning like I that. Am, you I know. Am. I think he'll last. Uh, I think he'll last a long while. Good for Listen, you. if well he can said. talk, if he can say that yeah. uh, Theresa May's policies are crazy on something and yeah. still survive, mm. clearly he's impregnable. He's absolutely impregnable. You're absolutely it's right. Immovable. Now I'm only on Instagram for the purposes of my family, and my kids are all on it, so I just kind of swap things with them. But uh, but the story thing, you're right, and it irritates me because apparently um, it's an Instagram sort of disappearing act. Because once you've seen it, it disappears. No, I think it's on for a day, isn't it? Twenty four hours, I think. But I don't even understand how to do it because you can sort of make a little film beforehand and yeah. add things to it oh, and okay. I haven't quite worked out how to do that. Right. I was in Anglesey which isn't quite Did as you get uh, around, do you? glamorous as Lake Como. Well, Anglesey's not that far. It's my beloved Wales because my sure. mother was Welsh. I would have know. thought it's easier to get to Lake Como than it is to get to Anglesey, isn't it? <laughs> or should I say Unismon? <laughs> I should say Unismon. You should actually, yeah. yeah so what were you doing Welsh in Anglesey 
So uh, went, oh, just I've never been to Anglesey uh, properly before. Right. I, years ago, when I used to work for BBC Radio, yeah. I did a stint in Northern Ireland. And I drew, drove very briefly uh, through Anglesey right. to get, uh, yeah, I took the car over, yeah. So I thought I'd do with a friend of mine a visit, and they got some very nice, uh, smart uh, restaurants there, a place called The Bull in ah. In uh, Anglesey, it's very nice. They've got a Waitrose well, in Anglesey, well, so it must Prince be Prince William used to, what, used to live up there, didn't he? Yeah, he, he was in the helicopter, helicopter there, business. Yeah. yeah, at Valley, RAF Valley, and Kate is... Yeah. Uh, the, the Speaking du- of which, are you going to the Royal Wedding at Windsor? Will you be Instagramming it? No, I mean, this is it, you see, because I was saying that, you know, Kate used to shop at Waitrose, and I think it immediately took me off the list. <laughs> so I've, I'm not going. Not I'm, to be I'm, trusted. Not to be trusted. Yeah. I, th- I thought maybe, I sort of texted that maybe... Maybe, you know, I could replace, uh, you know, uh, the, the father-in-law, but uh, apparently not. Apparently not. Um, now, Michael, do you think one of the reasons that people, you know, I enjoyed your story about people asking for selfies, but that people have taken you to their hearts is because you are genuine. And I think one of the problems with this sort of social media training is one of the lessons they're trying to teach people is how to be real people which of course it doesn't work if you try to manufacture being a real person you're suddenly not a real person Mm. and and I just wonder you know because you obviously I'm sure you see colleagues falling into that trap of trying to be something they're not trying to be more hip than they're you know than they actually are whatever it might be and it and the public can smell that can't they that sort of phoniness Mm. well Mike of course at the beginning of the uh, interview was saying that not all of me was Genuine, to which I took immediate exception. Well, but that was anyway, just a guess, though. I mean, yes, you didn't um, have to confirm it. Yes, I'm, yes, I'm not confirming. <laughs> oh, sorry, I thought you were. Michael, <laughs> thank you not. very much. Listen, I should look forward. I may even go on Instagram all the time now just to follow you because it sounds like a great hoot. You didn't let me answer Daisy's question. Sorry, what was it? About phonyism. Oh, yes, right. you've got to be yourself. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're on the radio or television or whether you're doing anything, and particularly social media, mm. people can smell out a fake. And you mustn't be a fake. And you are not. You're definitely not. You're oh, very, thank you. One sport. of a kind. Thank you, Michael, for coming <laughs> on. We'll talk to you again soon. Take it easy. Michael Fabrican there. What a splendid MP he is. He's he one of the is, few that you can actually take your hat off and to. Yeah, he is genuine. Yeah, he is great fun. And, and, he and, is and slightly somebody, bonkers, which yeah. is nice. No, but like the rest of us are. Yeah, you exactly. know, that's what we want in Parliament. Exactly. We, we want more we people don't like want him. Automaton well, robots. No, we don't want these people going, this is an outrage and uh, yeah. I'm going to be t- taking it up with the Prime Minister. You know, be more like Michael Fabricant. That would be my suggestion. More fabbies. Exactly. Uh, absolutely fabulous. <laughs> Across the UK, online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.